Alexis is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never right. been anybody as right. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the motorway. Hello and welcome to episode 220 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. Alex Jones and Jack Harper will be joining us a little later. Uh, his first day back at work since the, since last summer, I think, so may have just gotten to him a bit. Anyway, plenty to get into this week. Big week for news of the week, actually, you'll be pleased to know, which nicely coincides with uh, the North London derby. We've got Chris Wilder being sacked, leaving. We've got a bit of the other Premier League games the best little guys in the sport after uh, Chocolatito and Estrada went to town this weekend. May save our Ronaldo topic for next week after we've started a little later than usual. And and I do remember Liverpool playing TK, so uh, <laughs> not that we don't value our listeners, but won't we'll, uh, make amendments for some and not the others. And then we've got a bit on the fights this weekend. So, news of the week, I will... Uh, kick us off with escaped fugitive in England breaks cover to buy Call of Duty he's been arrested so he broke out I, of I've open seen the video. I, I, I've seen the video footage of this I've seen the video footage of the arrest and he like wallops the policewoman in the face that's going to be prison break season 12 when they're really out of ideas <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you'd think if you've uh, broken out of prison, then you one keep yourself on the down low, and two, why is there such a thing as an open prison? This seems perplexing. That's why he was able to break out. So <laughs> there we go. Um, Pepe Le Pew was cut from Space Jam 2. He was originally set to have a scene about sexual consent, which, uh, when they changed directors, that was removed. Pepe Le Pew is the skunk from Looney Tunes, by the way, if people are unaware. So, sexual consent in Space Jam 2. <laughs> so, he was... he. Uh, I did actually see the story about this. So, he was uh, a barman, or he was at a bar. In this scene, uh, he harasses uh, another one of the fellow Looney Tunes, wasn't Lola Bunny, this is one of the others, um, she tells him, look, you, you, you can't do that, and as she goes to break something over his head, LeBron puts his hand in the way and says, you can't touch other tunes without their consent. 
and that was apparently the scene that was in the middle of Space Jam 2. <laughs> um, as things go on the internet, um, and we saw last week with blokes being weird about Lola Bunny and uh, her change, there are now certain men saying that they shouldn't have needed to be in the film, and uh, they want to cancel uh, Miss Piggy because of the way she treats Kermit the Frog. So just a normal week on the internet. <laughs> she does so, treat Kermit like shit. I can, <laughs> yeah, I can get behind that. She is a nasty piece of work. You'd get behind Miss Piggy, I'm sure you would. That <laughs> would be the first Miss Piggy you got behind. Uh, man accused of exposing himself in Subway had a Kinder Egg full of drugs stored in his anus, the court's told. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was just the little thing in the Kinder Egg or... If he really, if he was that delicate, he could get the whole Kinder Egg up there because anyone that had them when they were younger, they're delicate things. <laughs> also, was he in a subway? Is in a subway or is in a sandwich shop somewhere? I'm not sure. Actually, this is one of the could perks of not difference. reading past the headline. <laughs> uh, man stole 400 pounds slide from a playground and mounted it onto his son's bunk bed. Um, obviously, they went looking for where this slide had gone. Please raid his house, and yeah, they found this gigantic slide in his son's bedroom. <laughs> forget, How forget drug raids. Not... Forget. I don't know how he got it there, but <laughs> that's not really the part of the story we're interested in. Um, Ottawa mum is shocked to discover Canada Post delivered a shotgun to her 11-year-old son. Jesus. Can't even blame America on this one. <laughs> um, Texas man drove BMW hire car to rob a bank, then tried to use the stolen cash to buy the exact BMW. <laughs> it was such a good experience. It was, <laughs> this is such a great car. Uh, Lucha Libre wrestlers are enforcing the wearing of COVID masks at a Mexican market. Um Imagine they're sort of refusing to wear a mask and they just get like a swanton bomb from uh, <laughs> the top of one of these stalls. Ray Mysterio pops out. <laughs> uh, Lana Del Rey visits a man sitting in bean sauce for 24 hours. That's the entire headline, by the way. <laughs> whatever, you, whatever you're into. My favourite headline this week, and there was competition, um, Woman in China visits doctor for her ankle, only to find out she was born a man. <laughs> Just, you receive the start of that headline and you don't expect it to end there. Um, man sent back to jail after not paying for taxi ride home from jail. Um, when I got into a relationship, it was better for me to separate the two. Gold Coast Escort, with rare condition, discusses what life is like with two vaginas. Oh, my God. Yeah, she had one for business and one for pleasure. Oh. <laughs> they, they, they both had a working uterus and cervix, by the way. Blimey. It wasn't one of these where they say, like, a man has uh, two bits of length and one's just kind of like a little thumb poking Bit out. Skin of it off. Is, uh, yeah. That, that's this just was uh, full on. Um, 
During a hearing for abuse and intimidation charges, man appears in the accuser's house, intimidating the witness during said hearing. <laughs> um, Rambo found not guilty of attempted murder. That's the whole headline. Um, boy, 12, arrested for a series of four armed carjackings in just under an hour. Jeez. It must have been like you're playing GTA where you see a nicer car go past and you just jump out of the one that you've just stolen to get in the new one. He was really trying to get his wanted level up. He was like, maybe if the army will come if I get the fourth one. Done. Uh, Slug discovered that it can sever its own head and grow a new body. Um, again, these scientists really should be working on more important things than this, but not a bad day at work if you can see a slug growing your head, I guess. <laughs> and uh, prosecutor says man propped his dead wife on a sofa in front of the kids on Christmas Day. Was this guy from Naples by any chance? <laughs> no clue, but I hope this isn't one of your stereotypes again. <laughs> no, it's the, the famous the famous king of Naples who stuffed all of his enemies and sat them at a dinner table. What a way for Jack to join the podcast. I was about to say, what, what have I walked into here? Jack, you missed some cracking news of the week today, I'm sorry to say. Oh, That's literally up. the last headline. What was it? Um, prosecutor says man propped his dead wife on sofa in front of kids on Christmas Day. So it's one of those kind of nights, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think the highlight was um, woman in China visits doctor for her ankle only to find out she was born a man. What? How's, how's that come up in an ankle? I don't know, but we said you've you were just really, recovering really from your first day ankle. back at work. Yeah, you've got really masculine ankles. Let me just check something out. <laughs> anyway, that first day back at work must have got to you. Oh, yeah. It's, I haven't missed it. Four and a half months of doing nothing, and I already want that back. Well, thankfully, you are in time for us to go over the sports, and obviously... It was a splendid day of sport yesterday. <laughs> Kick things off. The North London derby. Alex has been kicked out of his house because of his reaction to this. He's doing the podcast from somewhere else today. That's the first <laughs> place we can start. And you'll be pleased to know, Alex, I've got four pages of notes. Three of them are on the derby. Cool. That's good. Good. I've, I've got plenty <laughs> to say. Shall we start on the pre-game? The lineups came out, obviously. Abamyang dropped from the lineup. It comes out pretty swiftly after that. It's for disciplinary reasons. Um, turning up late for work on what's the equivalent of like your biggest day of the year. This is like your tax year end or something if you're an accountant and <laughs> you turn up late. Um, apparently not the first time. We, we've all seen the things with Abamyang. There was the thing with the uh, tattoo that he had done, that nothing really came out about this, that it was dealt with internally, um, where obviously he'd broken out of the bubble that he's supposed to be in. He had no mask on or anything, so you had that there. And apparently this isn't the first time he's turned up late. Um, it happened when he was at Dortmund as well, actually, uh, two months before he left. Uh, he was dropped by uh, Thomas Tuchel for saying, that this isn't the first time this has happened, and we're having to drop him for internal reasons, so... There's actually a picture on Twitter of him stuck in traffic uh, before the game. The downside of having a chrome Lamborghini is that you do stand out a bit 
Yeah, how did they pick him up? stuck in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, we can get to after the game, but the, the reporters there said that while the other players are warming down, uh, you could hear him driving off after the game as well. So, not a happy man, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, first thing, so if, even if we take the result out of it, do you think it's the right call by Arteta? Because we spoke previously about his non-negotiables, as he called them, and the need to really put a stamp down on them. And I, I would say he didn't really have a choice if this is not the first time it's happened and you can say that oh, I was stuck in traffic. The person that says the bus was late five times in one week at work, you start to say, well, you get up a bit earlier, and that might be the case here. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm hundred I'm hundred percent behind Arteta. I said it at the weekend and I meant it. I I got huge respect for that decision. It's a massive decision to make on a massive ma- on, a, on a massive match day for them. And I, I think that's exactly the sort of what you'd expect from a manager who's trying to instill a bit more authority in that squad. Um, and luckily, it really paid off for him. Um, Do you think? And it didn't. Sorry. But I I, I but. At the same time, I, I really don't think he's got a choice because a lot of the problems which have been identified at the club, if he doesn't make that decision, it just, and that then it comes out that he just, you know, it makes, it, it gives, Aubameyang uh, is going to go and do it again. And then that I just... Think, I think that's the issue. That previously, we hear these stories now. Uh, at Arsenal alone, you hear the stories from, say, Ray Parler, Tony Adams, the likes of them, where we're still hearing stories now that, the press had no idea about back in the day, whereas now, I mean, it emerged the reason, Arteta said disciplinary reasons, the reason had come out within 20 minutes of him saying that. So I guess it's, one, you don't want to be the person that's dropped a Bami angle on Derby Day without good reason, and you may as well get ahead of it rather than tell a lie now, and it come out afterwards. I think it's also better for the club that it comes out that the manager can't say it direct, but it comes out that it was for being late rather than because you just say disciplinary issues, people yeah. speculate, don't they? Yeah, I think but you just get out in front of it, you control the headline a bit better. Mm. And I don't know if, if this is, is this a bad take or not, but he was given a lot of time off by the club recently, quite rightfully so, I'm going to say, by the fact that his mum was apparently in poor condition and they gave him plenty of time off as they should. And it may be one of them where the club are saying, look, we're showing you the respect. You've got to show the same respect back. I think that's fair. Yeah, I didn't want that to come away. Uh, <laughs> he shouldn't have had time <laughs> off, but I guess that's probably part of his thinking. You can't really have non-negotiables that are being negotiated, can you, I'm afraid? The it's only person that actually not. has got around these non-negotiables is William. Um, which, <laughs> William doesn't seem to adhere to any kind of I was going to say laws of physics, any laws as it is. So it may be better just to put that one to one side and that one was made public. They say it was he was fined quite heavily, but I'm not sure. I think when he came out so publicly against Xhaka after the sending off against Burnley, was it? There was Pepe, the one against Leeds. And you look at, say, the FA Cup final where Matt Smith, who's on loan at Swindon this season, um, was on the bench ahead of Guendouzi and Ertzil. You've, if you're going to make the stats, you do have to be consistent along that way. And so I do think there wasn't much choice to be had. I actually wasn't too disappointed. I, I, Lacazette has a tendency to turn up in these games. Um, I think he scored 
three in the last four North London derbies. And so I wasn't too gutted, perhaps, the way some others were. On the on the Spurs lineup, the, the, the Spurs lineup, you must have been excited pre-game because it was about as attacking a lineup as you get from Jose, particularly in his time at Spurs. You had yeah. four attackers on the one end of the pitch. You had even the likes of Ndombele being your kind of holding midfielder shows some intent there. So yeah, he went no, for no, it. No, just, no, yeah, he, he went. He, he followed the trend that the the so your your ideal starting eleven that we've gone out with in the last few games. He followed that trend again, and he thought that that was going to translate into what he was going to go for in the match and. Ultimately, it didn't go that way. But yeah, you're right. I looked at that squad. I looked at yours, and I I felt confident. I felt like we were going to go for quite keep press quite high um, and try and keep things quite open from the start. But as we'll get onto, that didn't happen. I think, yeah, obviously the game started, and the thing I thought was most evident, we, we started very well. But Spurs play a high line, which they've done under Jose, but they also didn't press. And you look at all of Arsenal's recent goals they've conceded have been self-sabotage. And so it would have made plenty of sense, especially when you look at the guys you've got at that end of the pitch, to put some pressure on the guys with the ball. And Spurs quite literally didn't put any... They didn't press at all. So I don't yeah, know if that no, was it, the players it, it on the pitch or if it was by design. I, I found my... I think it was by design. And I found myself looking... I found myself looking at the way... Because you were you were pressing our back four well. I know we obviously were saying about the high line, but you were you were pressing that line really well. And I was nervous anytime we had the ball around the back, and we seemed to really struggle to build from the back. Whereas you go to the other end of the pitch, I was thinking, are Arsenal just more composed with passing the ball out from the back than we are, yeah. or are we just giving them too much room? And, and they gave like, it was. It, it was a bit. It was a bit. It was a bit of both. I think of that. It was. I think it was a combination of you were playing the ball better around the back with a bit more confidence. It looked like you'd been well drilled to do that. Um, which is a positive sign where that's where your mistakes have come from. But at the same time, we did you a massive favour. I mean, Sun quite early on looked like he, he wasn't in the positions that he normally was and he looked quite irritated and frustrated. Obviously, he went off early on. But did, looked... did I celebrate that? I prefer not to speak. Not as much as I celebrated he, uh, Pulisic going off in the cup final, mind you. Yeah, yeah. He, but he seemed quite whiny early on. Um, and obviously as well, like Bale on the Bale on the um, on the right hand side, he wasn't really offering much either. Um, he wasn't getting no. forward as much. He wasn't. There was obviously the odd little moment where there was a brief, brief sort of flurry of skill. Um, that that's that uh, outside of the foot cross was nice, but it wasn't enough. I mean, he was only really present twice. Um, and then when you look at the defensive vulnerabilities, uh, particularly sort of in the second half, um, he wasn't really doing a great defensive job uh, with Doherty at the back either, um, which I no, can... We'll get on to him. We'll, we'll, we'll get on to him, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the game started, obviously. Arsenal started about as well as you could hope. And the way things have gone recently did go the way it is because the better we start, the worse it seems to go. I mean, Emil Smith-Rowe, cracked the underside of the bar with a great effort. I was celebrating before it hit the bar. I thought he couldn't have hit it any better. Um, Lacazette, I mean, 
I know he was in. I don't know how late he was. He got the call. I'm not sure how much that should change, but he had an absolute stinker in the first half. He went back. He went back to the pig of old. Uh, he a great chance at the start. I think it was crossed in by Saka, where he got to the front post and it came back off his shins. There was the one that was crossed in, and if you saw a before and after of him making contact and it nearly going out for a throw kind of summed up his first half and so what confectionery do you think he had what was the blame for it well i said i said to my uncle i said he's had a big dinner because he thinks he's on the bench there we go (laughs) and i don't i don't know what it was i don't know if i don't know how early arteta gives the team out i can imagine him kind of telling you from thursday onwards like this is going to be the team and i don't know if they said to arteta you know what i'm an arsenal fan I'll give you an extra couple of toppings if you want on the house. And he's gone <laughs> a couple and they, you know what? We'll chuck in an extra pizza. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to be on the bench anyway. Go on, stick and it, it on. Look, it's, it's like me on two for Tuesday. Usually I'll offer my mum and say, do you want the second pizza? And if she says no, it's like, well, I'm not not going to get the second pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in a predicament and Arteta, not Arteta, Lacazette probably did see the extra pizza there. <laughs> What are they going to do? Bring me on for 20 minutes? <laughs> that will be fine. Maybe he was telling himself, this is fuel. This is fuel for the fire. <laughs> Sun's gone off, obviously. They bring on Lamella. A player so irritating. <laughs> Whatever, oh. like... He is like the human embodiment of crabs. He's <laughs> literally... I can't think of a more irritating player in this league. It's the face. It's aside from. Do you know? Dog, do you know what he is? Do, do you know what he? He's that annoying. If he was a dog, he's he's that annoying. He's <laughs> that annoying. Yeah, that was a good time. We that. did sound effects now. Yeah, if he was a if he was a dog, he would be that annoying little Jack Russell, which is basically just a larger rat. Honestly, well, the thing is, it's it's annoying when the player has an attitude like that and they're good. It's more annoying when they have that attitude and they aren't. And obviously we're going to get on to the goal, but 90% of the time his ability is not what we saw in those couple of seconds, which makes it worse. And he's usually giving it the big in in a completely undeserved way. So him to come on, I think the first thing he did was um, try and rotate Xhaka, which isn't difficult. But I thought, no, no, he clipped... Uh, that was, oh, no, it was Xhaka, wasn't it? And he then went he from Xhaka to Louise and then he kicked party out and then... He hadn't been booked at this stage. And then obviously the the ball comes the way it does. Spurs, I think the stat had just come up on the screen saying that you'd had 23% of the ball. You'd had no shots compared to our five. And I tweeted actually just before saying, I know how these things go. Spurs will get the first now in. There's not. I can't really blame. You can blame maybe the ball coming across the way it does and not closing down bail, but in terms of the execution, it's one of them where you do kind of have to just take your hat off. You you, you can't really nitpick with that, I don't think. No. Do you think it takes away from it the fact that he's done it before, or it adds to it? Say you can say it's not a fluke because he's done it previously. What the the goal for the man? Yeah. I I don't know right. I, I don't know if it's just me, and obviously I'm going to be looking at him in quite a negative light after the match of the weekend. But in all honesty, I kind of felt it after the goal was scored as well. 
don't get me wrong, it was brilliant. But like you had the comment, you had Jamie Redknapp, I think, on the commentary oh, or half time saying it was one of the best goals in Premier League history. And then there's yeah. other people saying it's like one of the best goals in the North London Derby history. And I was like, it was good, but like all the shows are one top echelons. Let's not put uh, I wouldn't, I, I, Rabona. Yeah, like I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't have put it in the top echelons. I mean, I think it was a bit of an overreaction. Um, you know, obviously his original Rabona um, in the Europa League was was far more like far better. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I wasn't I wasn't like wow that is one of the best prim- best goals in the Premier League I've ever seen. I just I, I don't know. I, I don't know how it was for anybody else. I think Jamie Redknapp obviously did say that at halftime. He said it's one of the best goals ever. I think the people at Sky felt a bit bad after what they put him through with Roy Keane last week. And they we'll just go along with this now. We'll let him have this one. Obviously, great goal. My mouth was wide open after it went in in just disbelief. that won the nerve to try it, which probably goes into... <laughs> how much of a swine he is that he did attempt that. Two, the fact that you do have the feeling of only us, that's, that can happen to. <laughs> and then it's like, why why did it have to be him? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because normally that's the type of goal that, like you said, if you can see, you just have to sit back. And it's kind of one of those where you kind of just almost applaud it. I know you're tough to say, but because it's no. the target, because it's him, you're you're never going to be able to, which, like you said, must have made must have been yeah. extra difficult. I, for what it's worth, I, I do think, in terms of North London derbies, goals, it's up there. The the thing with it is, is so many great goals that you see are a fellow whacking it in from thirty five yards, yeah. and that's great. But this is fairly unique. They're going through the legs, add something to it. The way the ball kind of it doesn't really rotate; it just kind of heats still and on the floor, which is. It was had a bit of curve it's on it. A, it was I a think goal. There's no two ways about it. I, I detest the bloke as well. So I was. <laughs> I, I think a goal's always made better as well when the keeper doesn't move. When the whole game just seems to stop, like <clears throat> the defense didn't know what to do, keeper didn't move. Next thing you know, it's just snuck in off the post. And you're like, what's just happened? Uh, do you think it's the type of goal where if someone like a Berbatov or a Cantona puts that in, it probably yeah. is, it probably is one we're purring about for years later. Yeah, or maybe because it's him. Maybe we might well, try and forget it. We'll get on to well, how the game ended for him. Obviously, a, maybe and if he wasn't such that goes against maybe, it. Maybe if he wasn't such a prick, then we would be, you know, talking about it in a more positive light. Well, I mean, I criticised the, uh, the 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 sun goal that eventually won the Puskas Award. I, I, I still think that was rash. But you look at the Henri one against Spurs and the way that's credited and it's very similar in a lot of ways in that he doesn't actually go past that many people in terms of having to kind of outmaneuver them he kind of runs in a straight line and then gets to the edge of the box and the Spurs players are just absolutely terrified (laughs) but the moment is what makes that fantastic that goal he skids in front of the Spurs fans I mean there's a statue of it outside the stadium (laughs) and so it was almost there was nothing seemingly Lamella could do at that stage to put himself in a bad light after that goal. Clearly don't know no how, However anyone else performed, whether you say Kane, Bale, the other guys that you're going to look to, you would say it, 
he's kind of cemented himself when they do the player ratings at the end of the game to say, look, we, we can't pick fault to him. And then obviously he does. Um, we then hit the woodwork straight after. Abamyang does a step over when the ball's crossed to him, which either he's got spectacular vision and he's saw Cedric. Uh, not Abamyang, Lacazette. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure he, he didn't he, come on. Yeah, he saw Cedric come in 50 yards behind him. And that's why he stepped over it. Or someone called, but very odd. And then Cedric hits the post. Um, all all of the good work was coming down that left-hand side between Tierney and Emil Smith-Rowe. Doherty must have been waking up with cold sweats last night, saying, please, just make it stop. Because he was bullied. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He didn't have a very good game at all. And Bale didn't either. Bale didn't really do much in the way of defensive duties, which is ultimately <laughs> why well, ultimately why he had to be substituted off because there was going to be another goal coming from there, at least bringing in Sissoko and putting him in there. He does offer a little bit more defensively um, well, than what we've more so than what Bale can offer. I saw a clip on Twitter and it said Bale doing his defensive duties. It was a bloke at the other end of the pitch with a cigar smoking it on the field while the team was playing. Mm. And that was essentially what he was doing yesterday. But even still, if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe you did call it the signing of the window, Alex, when uh, the summer ended. Uh, no, I said... I, uh, who was it that I said? Who if was you it? said Hoybier, then that doesn't look much better after yesterday. No, no, no. But he is... But he, well, there were some stats uh, There were some stats before the start of the game about him, which were very favourable. So you it's, take that with a bit of It's weird that he looked so great last season, but almost all Spurs fans I saw online were shocked to see him starting. And they were expecting Aurier to start. Well, and I don't I, know what I, the thinking I, was. I, I don't understand how they can say that when the the stats he's... Like this season... Um, he's our number. He's our number one player for complete passes, duels one, interceptions, what, possessions Doherty. one, and ta- yeah, no, no, sorry, Hoiberg. Oh yeah, oh, used, oh, so, over. oh right, okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, I think Do- Doherty started. Obviously, he's he started at the moment because I think there's something going on with Aurier. Like, is it? In, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's an injury or whether he just he hasn't really recovered after he stormed off. He is um, an Arsenal fan as well. <laughs> of course, he is. Can't be trusted. Well, obviously, the ball did carry on coming down that side. Tierney, perhaps, after seeing Lacazette leave the ball two seconds before, picks out uh, Erdegaard, who gets enough of a touch on it to hit it off. Alderweireld, wasn't it? It goes in off in the end. Yeah. Uh, it was crucial we scored then, because, for one, you never want to go down to a Mourinho side playing like that. And secondly, cliche as it is, it changes the team talk entirely. Yeah, definitely. Um, if we, we can talk a bit more about Udegaard after because I have a couple of questions, but Saka goes off at half-time for Pepe. Um, they say he's got a bit of an injury. Um, I think he felt something in his hamstring. Maybe that the international break's coming up and we fancy giving him a rest, but that would be all speculation on my part. Pepe, his first 18 months, a lot that was said about him was about his confidence and he was playing, he looked like a guy that had no confidence. 
And this time around, it looks like even when he comes off the bench, he looks like he's playing with all the confidence in the world. It's almost working to his detriment that he's performing well when he comes off the bench and he's able to move the defence around. So I didn't feel like we missed Saka. And if you said that we were even going to play 45 minutes without Saka or Aubameyang, I'd have been worried pre-game. A um, couple of other things then. So, all right, we'll, yeah, we'll do the penalty. So, Arsenal are in the ascendancy at this stage. Spurs, I think, after being pegged back, the impetus kind of went from them. I, is someone wanting a camera <laughs> up here? Sounds like someone's got a disposable camera. I mean, it's got to be AJ because TK is muted. Um, but, I genuinely don't see how there's any debate as to how, how whether this is a penalty or not. No, I I think, um, I think one I, person said it and everyone's just round with it. I, I think I think the thinking behind the people who don't think it were a pe- was a penalty was that it clearly had when the contact was made it was clearly obvious that it wasn't a got going to be a goal scoring opportunity because he already That's lost never control been a of thing. the ball. If you take but, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly. Like initially, initially, before you saw the replay, the way that the commentators were sort of saying it was like, oh, yeah, that's another penalty. He's going to be saved by he's going to be saved by VAR there. Um, so and, and but then you actually saw it and I was like, well, no, he's completely taken him out. You can't really it's contact in the box, even though he has lost control of the ball. At the end of the day, it's he's put him to the ground in the box. So there's no really, as as unfortunate as it is, it's a stupid challenge to make. He should have had the full, he should have had the sight to see that the ball was no longer a threat. And I just, yeah, just rash, silly. I've got no sympathy for it. I think if, if Louise made that challenge on a Spurs player, I wouldn't be saying it's not a penalty. I think all last time we say, he's done it again. Why is he making that ridiculous challenge again? And So for the other way around, for one, I don't know how Davinson Sanchez isn't in that bracket where you just assume it's reckless when you even see him do it because it's not like that's new to him doing that. He's he's firmly in that category of defenders that just their heads just go. And then Genus was making the argument saying, "What the thing is, if Lacazette makes perfect contact with the sh- with the ball, then it's a great block." How is that even related at all? You could say then, if he goes, if if he jinxed right when he's dribbling, then that's a great tackle. But because he's gone left, it's a foul. You can't deal in if what D, is. the ball's if gone. D, if, it, if if Di Maria got nine more assists that season, he would have matched De Bruyne. <laughs> I I couldn't believe that there was even a debate. I I only watched match of the day when Arsenal win whether that's uh, being spoiled or not but I went in because I wanted to see Genus crying <laughs> but I couldn't believe that he was even taking that stance it it was just baffling I mean if any if that happens to me I'm screaming pen I don't care anywhere it's- on the pitch if someone dives into your legs and takes you out it's going to be a foul and you give the kind of advantage to the attacker, don't you, really, in that situation? It's if the defender doesn't dive in there, there's no foul. 
but Lacazette always, always going to try and shoot when he's that close to goal. So it's up to the defender to not make a clumsy challenge, I feel. It summed up Lacazette's day, really, the way the shot went. <laughs> the whole thing of he, he, he makes the contact with him, yeah. then we've had that all season. The one with Louise on, um, what's his name, at Wolves, he made the contact first. Did did you think it was a pen, TK? Are you there, TK? He's just joined. Uh, he, oh, I dropped a message. We can't hear you, TK, if you are talking. All right. Um, Alex, I, I think we said that you thought it was a pen. It was one of them where you see certain types of penalty and if well when the referee blows the whistle you usually don't even expect the defender to argue i think we saw one i can't think what game it was recently i think it was arsenal against leeds where uh the second penalty when was given melier just kind of just puts his arms in the air like okay yeah fair enough so I was shocked to see um, Sanchez, one, protesting so much. And then on the other side of that, Jose having the meltdown, <laughs> having the meltdown that he did, which does make it sweeter. Mm. Um, after seeing yesterday's game, any uh, Arsenal fan that wanted Jose in charge, I hope, I hope they feel awful about themselves because that style of football... You couldn't pay me to have that at the club. And so I'm just glad I wasn't one of those few. And I, um, I said to you before the match yesterday, um, like I was hoping for quite an entertaining game. Like the you last were trying to jinx it is what you were doing. No, no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was genuinely hoping for an entertaining North London derby. Um, like we're talking, you know, a six-goal spread at the least. Um, but I... I I thought going into this match, obviously our recent wins have been been against lesser opposition, um, so you can maybe say that it's been easier for easier for us to experiment and play with a more attacking style. Um, but I expected us to be more attacking yesterday. I expected us to go for it. I expected us to, expected us to press. I expected the players to be really pushing for it as well. And for us to go out and play in the style that we did. Was just it was just it was just it was just soul destroying. I I actually like I I lost. I had no sympathy for Mourinho yesterday whatsoever. He can make. I mean, course is. I mean, even if if Son didn't get injured, I don't see I don't see the result being any different. Um, yesterday, I, I I think that he had every reason to not play the way that he did. Yeah. We've seen your vulnerabilities at the back. We've the the general the general the general sort of the momentum that we had going into the match the more positive playing style Bale was coming alive a little bit more I mean literally I don't think it could have gone any worse for us yesterday because it's a result that's probably going to it's killed our momentum now and also 
you've got players that are now irritated and pissed off. Like Bale obviously was unhappy when he was subbed off yesterday. I can understand the substitution <laughs> in the situation. I can you understand saw him, the substitution. Didn't you say me. Yeah, yeah, he said me. Yeah, surprised. Yeah, I can understand. I can understand the situation, the substitution in the situation because you need to bring a better defensive option on if you wanted to try and keep control of that right hand side. But ultimately, if you allow Bale to play a little bit more fluid, like if you get those players playing a bit more forward, pressing a lot more, you don't get to that point in the match. I mean, I was just... And do you know what the ridiculous thing was? Is that we go down to 10 men, and I know Arsenal sat back off of us a little bit, and I thought, this is going to be a perfect example of Arsenal doing precisely what they shouldn't do and us not, and us doing precisely what we shouldn't do. But ultimately, when we went down to 10 men, it was like we were playing with 12 all of a sudden. Yeah, we'll just, get to that in just a second. I just, I just don't get it. Chica, are you there now? Can you hear me? Yeah. Your mic should settle. It's a bit loud. Just before um, we carry on, did you think it was a penalty? Um, I thought they would give it. I thought it probably by the look. I don't think it's a pen myself. Oh, okay. Um, the, the only reason being that I don't think the punishment fits the crime. What? Because the ball's gone. Yeah, because he's already airshotted it prior to the foul happening. Obviously, the point of giving a penalty is because if you've impeded the attack, the attacking player that stops him getting a shot away, or whatever. Whereas he's already failed that opportunity. But at yeah, the same time, it, not... it is reckless. You are right. I think you said at the time that if it happens somewhere else on the pitch, they would give a free kick. Yeah. You know, you can't just clap yeah. someone being too late. I get what you're saying, TK. Like I, I get what you're saying, and you you are right. The the crime doesn't the 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 punishment doesn't fit the crime, but the the rules are the rules, and that was a clear contact in the box that took the player out. And as you know, as as harsh as that sounds, that I mean, with all the all of the all of the sort of the hatred towards the referees at the moment are not being consistent and clear. Unfortunately, that's where the rules come into play, where you have set rules. I mean like when we were talking like last season in particular about the handball rule um, being a lot more stricter in the box. Um, it, 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 you've just, I don't think, I don't think there's an, any angle or any view that you can kind of really take with the rule book in mind that doesn't say that's a pen, doesn't say that's not a penalty. The fact the ball had gone, I think I'd argue he's not making a play at the ball. And so it's a red card. <laughs> well, no, I do think there has to be some sort of deterrent to the player. I just don't know if the penalty is the right sort of crime, uh, the right punishment. Sorry, but there isn't really a What what do you say then? An indirect free kick, or well, it's it's tricky, isn't it? Because I'm by saying this, I'm overcomplicating refereeing decisions that are already uh, controversial enough. So I do realise I'm asking for a lot there. But well, I don't think you see that in, in in any game whatsoever where it's not where it's not a penalty. Uh, I, I I couldn't no, I, see. I think they will give it. Yeah, for, for I don't sure. think it's like a new like one where we say the the rules have changed. Historically, even if the ball's gone, you take someone out because we see all the time, don't we? Where a player goes to go around the keeper and the ball's gone, but the keeper still takes them out, and so they they get the penalty where they use the reckless word that's the one that usually comes out, and they say that oh, justifies it. Um, we also had then so. From one bit of stupidity to the other, I mean, Lamella had got off lightly as it was. There was a couple of challenges in the first half where he'd not been carded. Hoybier was the one. I 
couldn't believe he wasn't carded in the first half, but there we go. Lamella takes out party, whether he makes any contact with the ball or not. It's one of them that clear as day is going to be a foul, um, particularly these days. Genus, by the way, did also say that wasn't a foul. He said you can't play football anymore and it's this is the way the game's going. If you've not seen much in a day two, I would implore you to check it because we've not seen a heads gone like it since that FA Cup semi. <laughs> and after watching that clip again earlier, the joy in Lampard's face as Gina says to him, Frank, you're telling me if you come off the pitch after a performance like that, you're not going to be feeling you should have won. Frank says, I mean, I'd mean, i be disappointed if I come off feeling I've played well and we've conceded four goals. <laughs> the biggest burn ever. He's he's laughing as he says it. He doesn't really know what to do. But that was obviously a booking. Then from there on, we've seen players, and this is a bit of a grey area, I know, in terms of what's deemed as using your arms and to protect the ball and what's deemed as kind of hitting a player in the face. Um, Mane got off with one on Tierney earlier in the season. I don't know if he puts his head where it shouldn't be, maybe. But the Lamella one, Fellaini was perfect in that he wouldn't look at you. He'd swing those arms, but he wouldn't look at you. And so he would get away with just claiming this is how he jumps for a header or this kind of thing. Lamella looks over his shoulder, then swipes back into Tierney's face. You see Jose, that perfect angle, and him immediately puts his hands up as if to say, what have you done? (laughs) And then Michael Oliver, Genus did complain after that as well and say he didn't give himself enough time. He's he's protecting the ball. You see reds for that sometimes if they feel that you've used a forearm to hit the opponent in the face, but Instead, Michael Oliver gets his card out, shows him what colour North London is, and uh, spurs it <laughs> down to 10. The, the thing is about this is that seconds earlier, Kane did one that was even worse. On Gabriel. Than, on Gabriel, where he charges in with the shoulder, hits him straight in the face. And in rugby, that is a red card now. You can't make deliberate contact with the head. And it's the thing with being captain. And it wasn't even looked at. And, like... I think Lamella must have been G'd up. It's a typical Tottenham, uh, we're losing, so let's just fucking lose our heads and just try and hurt people because we're shit. And that is what's happened again. We saw it, it inverted commas here, Battle of the Bridge. <laughs> and, and, which wasn't really a battle, it was just Spurs being absolutely pathetic. And I know we've been forget. subbed on, but we criticised Oli earlier in the season in the Champions League game where he left Fred on despite the fact he'd been booked. And the second Lamella's been booked in, in any game, I did see a tweet yesterday that said, any game where Lamella has got through 90 minutes means the referee has missed something. Because he's that, <laughs> renowned, he's that renowned for doing this kind of thing that almost always it's been missed. Uh, on this occasion, I don't know if you had any subs left at this stage, but it was waiting to happen. I mean, seven minutes between the booking and the red card and he could have been booked earlier than that. So Tierney, I mean, I don't like to see a player holding their face like that, but I mean, we'll excuse it on uh, this particular occasion. I mean, Lamella did the same thing to Martial earlier in the year. So another thing on match of the day, actually, 
Genus did defend that Lamella isn't that type of player. <laughs> Keon oh, said word. he's got a history for doing this. And Keon, you know my thoughts on him as a pundit. Um, he buckled to Genus a few times during uh, match of day two, but he pointed out the first thing Lamella did before he even went for a challenge was to put a little kick in on Granite Xhaka and try and get him rolled up. And he said, look, you did the same thing with Martial earlier in the season. It's He's that kind of player. And Gina said, how can you say he's that kind of player when he's only been sent off that time for Spurs? Uh, I guess it's kind of, if you could have like an XRC for expected red cards, Genus, not Genus, uh, Lamellas would exceed the red cards he's been given. And so on this occasion, it did come back to bite him. From there, we then see Spurs. We did everything we shouldn't have. And if you watch that game without seeing the decision, you wouldn't believe that we had 11 men to their 10. Um, Lucas Moura seemed to realise he was Brazilian and could play football. <laughs> and we just looked absolutely terrified. I've, I've seen a few things like it. There was the one from Party where he passed to someone that wasn't there. And until his legs went after about 70 minutes, I did think Party and Shaka were both excellent yesterday. Aside from Party's shooting, someone needs to have a word about that. Um, but in terms of breaking the play up and, and everything there, until the last 10 minutes, everyone just seemed so shook. And Louise did an interview after and he said, it's when you have so many young players in a team, you get close and they start to get excited thinking we're going to win this game. And then that goes from excitement into, oh God, we can't lose this game now. And that's literally what it looked like. And I was thinking, please don't let them with 10 men, because it's just embarrassing, isn't it, when the team with 10 men gets back into it. And I guess on the pitch, they were thinking the same thing, because you saw players shouting at each other and all the little things like that, Spurs got into it. TK and Jack. Jack, actually, I don't know what your thoughts are on Arsenal compared to Spurs. Were you willing on a Spurs goal or were you rather hoping to see Jose and Spurs lose? Oh, no, I needed you to win that because that means now we're fourth, even with games in hand. So I was fully wearing an Arsenal shirt. For right, this game. That's a bit reassuring. I mean, I don't know if I want to know TK's answer here. Uh, I was uh, indifferent, to be honest. Okay, it doesn't feel me with much confidence. I like. I, I would prefer Arsenal win it to Spurs. I think Spurs are going to have a better run at the top four. If I'm if I'm still looking at the top four race, if you're looking at it from that angle, I would probably rather Spurs lose. I don't know how much time we have, Alex. Can we redo this and you just be in a bit more of a worse mood and maybe be a bit more <laughs> controversial with your opinions? Because it's not as fun. And I don't know if this is your game plan. Yeah. He's taking your fun away. Well, if, it, if, it, if, it's a, if it's my bloody game plan, I'm doing a better job than fucking Jose Mourinho, aren't I? Jesus. <laughs> he's, in the, he's in the workplace talking like this. <laughs> I'm alone in the workplace. He was, he was messaging <laughs> me privately the during the game yesterday. I don't know if that's cheating or not, by the way. I muted the chat because I, I don't want to say anything I'll regret during the game. He was sending me sneaky private messages trying to get me onside. <laughs> Trying to get into what your skin. Onside. I just, uh, hey, look, I wasn't, I, 
I genuinely wanted an entertaining North London derby yesterday. I felt like it was coming. I felt like it was going to happen. And it was the polar opposite. So I found myself, I found that the one thing that we had in common yesterday was the disappointment of a match that it was in terms of an attacking from an attacking outlet point of view. No, I was not disappointed in that. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, I was. Not at all. I mean, that last 10 minutes we were about to say, I don't know if I prefer that you had some sense that you could get it and then it slipped away. The two free kicks, I, I didn't look. Um, I put my head under the <laughs> duvet. Um, and so I heard it missed. And so the commentator's voice kind of went down. And then it put back up as Sanchez obviously went for the rebound. Yeah, right, yeah. So I was all over the shop. <laughs> that was yeah, the worst no. of, um, of Xhaka in that bit there. There were so many times. The, the party won on Kane. I didn't actually think it was a foul, but... The Xhaka one in like the 94th minute or wherever it was, where he trips him. It's, what are you doing here? Criminal. Got four players around him. And it did seem destined uh, that Kane was going to do something, but we seem to have dealt with Kane pretty well in the last two North London derbies now. So I don't know. How, I don't, I don't how, think, I don't think, I don't think dealing with Kane is the correct term. We, be, we did beat you 2-0. It was just Sun was the outlet for... Kane was playing a different role in the last match. But he didn't He didn't really do anything. Uh, in fairness, I, I the game I was thinking of beforehand was the one where we played well, where Lacazette scored the uh, worldie and oh, you nicked oh, it at yeah, the yeah. end. Yeah, but yeah. Okay, even yeah. still, I mean, when you compare the Northland and the derbies of the, la- of the previous years compared to the last few, he's been a lot quieter. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, he he has. He has. How much hope did you get in that last ten? And was it one of them where you are? Then why didn't we play like that for the last? Um, do you know what? I I I was I had a uh, I was torn because I was so pissed off with the way that the match had gone. I was like, part of me wanted to give the middle finger to Jose and say you deserve this result. Um, and then the part of the part of me was like still like jumping off the sofa like when that hit the but when it hit the post I jumped the off the sofa. Ten minutes I think I've ever had. Ah, uh, well, shortest for me. <laughs> shortest, shortest five minutes of extra time that. Crikey. Um, um, but uh, but yeah, it is what it is. It, you know, it's if if you ever if you wanted uh, you know taking what Arsenal did in the last ten minutes taking that aside, if you wanted an example of the attacking outlets that we have in that squad to be able to still go at a squad, still go at, go at a top team and still break through their defence and cause them trouble with only 10 men on the pitch, I don't don't know what more needs to be said. It's just, it's like literally one add one equals three at the moment with Jose Mourinho. It won't spend much longer because I do understand for Jack and TK's sake that I have milked this a largely <laughs> poor North London derby for, for all it's worth. But I mean, we take the wins as we can get them at the moment, don't we? So Gabrielle and Louise, I thought were both brilliant yesterday. Gabrielle in particular with that clearance at the end seems to post COVID. He seems to have played himself back into form. Now I couldn't believe pre-game that some people thought Mari should start ahead of him. who I'm still not sold on by the way. Um, but Gabrielle proved, as I said, after after Van Dyke, and I'll tell you this now, you offer me Ruben Diaz for Gabriel, I don't take it. <laughs> I don't Jesus. take it. 
Jesus. He is a is colossus. That, is that... Do you reckon his off-field activities... That's on it? the record. That's on the record. It is. Yeah. His, his activities, admittedly, he's not been the best behaved. Um, he, he did actually, assuming he, he did seem, unless he posted pictures after, he seemed to have COVID and then have people around while <laughs> recovering from it. But there we go. Um, I mean, we, we give uh, Neymar the Brazilian pass. So, um, and we gave Oscar similar when he was in the league. So we'll give, we'll give that to uh, Gabriel <laughs> on this occasion. Oh, I think I think he's brilliant. I, I, I love a defender that defends on the front foot. Don't let yourself get into the situation, and then any player that puts their head in like that in the dying seconds of a derby, you're going to go up hugely in uh, any fans' estimations. Louise, I'd give him an extra year on his deal. Uh, that's not a very popular opinion among Arsenal fans, but. The way he seems to be with the youngsters, hopefully we've got Saliba playing himself back in next season. I, I think you, you give Louise an extra year, I think. if Unless his wages, he wants them up significantly, then he's prepared to take the same wages for another year. I'll take it. I thought he had, I thought he had quite a mature match yesterday. Like he, he was he quite mature this. during it. We're lucky that Xhaka made the mistake against Burnley because the games after he makes a mistake, he does seem to bounce back after having the red card against Burnley. He had the best couple of games he's had for a long time in an Arsenal shirt. He's just a freak. Louise is a freak. But Louise's kind of leadership, I think, got us over the line yesterday. And him and Gabriel, I do think, are the best two centre-backs at the club at the moment. Um, oh, without, without doubt. Without doubt. I, I definitely agree that to have anybody starting ahead of those when you've got a full, yeah. full, fully fit team is ridiculous. Some people will tell you uh, Rob Holden just because he's English. <laughs> Should we be getting retrospective action in for Harry Kane after yesterday? What, yeah. the challenge off the ball? Yeah. I, I, rec- I reckon so. I think it's dangerous. And like I said, in rugby now, that is a red card challenge. So in football, it has to. Look. Well, if we're if we're going down that line, Jack, then we can st- we've got a list of Chelsea actions. A lot as long as my arm that haven't been brought up after matches in previous years. So don't. you could do you could do an entire list on bloody Diego Costa. So don't they, don't be don't be did. don't be don't be coming here. Yeah, don't be coming into this conversation like the I, same for Christ's sake. I mean, I would actually say. I think Kane is dirtier than Costa. I, I think with Costa, if he was up front, wow. Yeah. Kane no. Costa was up front. Kane, about it. You knew a, what you were getting. A, there's a snideness about Kane when yeah. he can get away with it. That's what I don't like. Like when he won those penalties against um, Adam Lallana and Brighton, where he backs into him and he's known for doing that. Whereas Diego Costa, he'd come and bite you and then he'd kiss you afterwards. And then he's just, <laughs> he's just that kind of guy. Um, I don't know how. I how that makes it okay. That makes it okay. Neil Lennon. I don't know. I've never seen that before because I saw a lot of the things of this is what the England captain see gets you. I don't know. I'd never seen that before. That he got away with quite literally kicking him in the head and then saying, "If you if you give retrospective action, I won't be going to the Euros." So they just let him off. Yeah, that. I I actually that got brought to my attention from Joey Barton like in 2012 when Twitter was new. (laughs) I didn't, never knew it happened before, and then he no. pulled him out. But yeah, Kane is—he's filth. He, 
it, it largely depends on how the media react. You've seen very few media reactions like the Eduardo dive, and you look at how diving has gone since then. It's it's insane that one, especially he just come back from that vile injury. So we need these journos to start calling Kane out for being the filth bag that he is. When anyone ever says journo, I just can't help but think of Green, Green Street. Street. <laughs> fucking journo. Last bit, <laughs> Alex. So we had Jose after he accused the players, um, particularly when he was out I, I, taking bail off. He accused them of hiding, which would suggest they've not played how he set them up to do. And oh. Harry Redknapp said, no one can criticise Jose Mourinho. He said, it's like watching crabs play for Spurs, all side to side, especially Hoybier. Uh, I don't... I, I'm sorry, but I feel like that... I feel like... I don't... We know how Mourinho likes to play. And... We played like we tried to play like that, obviously to a better result with the sort of flares of a counter-attacking from counter-attacking combination from Kane and Son. Um, we we earlier in the season we saw that he likes to play like that, and sometimes it can work. But ultimately, what I think is what I think is coming out is you've got a squad of players who like to play attacking football. Um, that have been taught to defend well, have well taught to defend better than they have done previously. You know, we were one of the we were the best defensive side in the league at one point in the season statistically, and I think playing like Mourinho wants you to play over time when you when results aren't going your way and you're not challenging at the top for the for the top at the top of the league defending the title chase, you you I think there's a bit of fatigue in the squad now, a bit of frustration of where. We've got a team of players who can defend, but they're not great. They're not very good defenders, if that makes sense. So Simon, I think if he, say, if he says that, if he says that, I would say it's more along the lines of they're not. He's not playing. They're not de- play, playing as well defensively as he wants, or set like sort of going about the match in the way that he wants. But in terms of there's, no, I don't see. I don't see him setting him up, setting up for an attacking, an attacking. Um, uh, outlet, yes, yes, there at all. In fact, I think he probably, from the looks of things, he looked at the previous match against Arsenal this season yeah. and tried to go for a carbon copy, which is the most stupid thing he could have done. Simon Jordan said that Spurs have got plenty of attacking players. If you're not happy with the way you're being set up to play, you should take it into your own hands as you're a fully grown man. Mm. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but it's, do you, do I, you I, think you I, owe Jack an apology? Because he did say... If unless Kane or Son produce magic, Spurs have got nothing. Do you think you owe him an apology? <laughs> no, because no, because no, no, I don't know. Why, an apology. All, I tried, I, Jack. I, I tried. No, no Chelsea fans. No Chelsea fans get apologies. Not even. Are you te- so yeah. you telling me that I'm wrong in that sense? Then. Yeah, you you are you are wrong. So where's the magic? I was slowly starting to come from a, combat, a link, bit of link up with Bale, but obviously not. He's going we'll, to be in a mood now for the next two games. We'll carry on some other headlines. Just to be fair, it's, it's kind of stark that we're making that point after someone's just scored a Rabona nutmeg. <laughs> <laughs> um, TK, if um, if you're Edu at Arsenal this season, um, 
we get to the end of the season, if you assume Arsenal aren't going to have European football next season, probably take 20 million off the budget. Um, if you go to Real Madrid, they say, all right, we're not going to negotiate. What's the maximum you're prepared to give us for a early guard, like an eBay bid? You've got to put your max bid in there. Oh. What price? And Or, I mean, you can say you don't think Arsenal should go for him if you think that's the case, but you got to think we need a creative outlet. Oh, it is a tricky one. It's, it's a tricky one. I don't know that he should be your absolute priority, but I do also rate him as a player, so we're in a tricky one here. If 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 Real Madrid said forty million, do I you think, think that's too much, not enough, or uh... I think that would be my absolute top end. I was I had thirty five in my head, but I, I would probably go to forty. Not on based on what I've seen of him at Arsenal so far, but I do I do rate him. I do think his ceiling is high, so I would go for it. But if you have to yeah. prioritize other positions, obviously I do think they would probably have if the budget's tight, but. If I we're think, taking money out of the equation to an extent, I would go for him. Apparently, the 10 is uh, what our priority is. Um, it does The fact that he can play with Emil Smith-Rowe is obviously a plus as well. I, he looked great out on the left-hand side yesterday. Yeah, it's true. They look to complement each other rather than be a case of one or the other, which is a big bonus. That was probably my concern was with Smith-Rowe coming through, does bring a guy in and sort of stunt his development where... You could have a really good young player in your hands. He's not getting, but uh, yeah, they he certainly. He'd hardly well played any football either before he's come in. So we say about settling into the Premier League. He seems to have done a pretty good job. Does seem to split Arsenal fans as well. Uh, Troy texted me before the game on Thursday where he scored two in a week, saying, "Look, he looks like a great player to me, but he doesn't look like a Premier League player." And uh, I guess we'll wait and see what happens there. Yeah, it's just hard. I think I would want to see attached. more from him. Yeah, I think the jury's out on uh, Sabios, unfortunately for him. Um, mm. His ego thinks that he's going to be starting for um, Real Madrid next season. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that plays out for him. Um, we'll have to let Alex go. Um, he stuck around for uh, the North London derby, but I think he said he's got to do the work that Jack hasn't done for. The last six months, so he's See you in four up. months in Asia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll bid you farewell, Alex. Cheers, cheers, boys. Cheers, boys. Have a good pod. This is Rory Ford. I am the resident tipster for at Spitballing Pod, covering all things horse racing. I will be posting all of my Chapman picks to spitballingpod.com where you can find them or also find them on Twitter at SpitballingPod. So Chris Wilder um, left his position at Sheffield early uh, this week. Um, I saw a write-up saying he restored pride to a club which had unravelled in League One. Um, I know you, you were particularly hard on him last season, TK, when you were saying that if any of these... Uh, managers should get a break at a big club then he should be kind of right at the top of the list mm. um, back-to-back promotions obviously from League One to the Prem in three seasons looks like he's had some disagreements with um, the owner I did look into that I know there was two owners when he took over he was appointed by the other owner who then ended up not having the cash to stay on and selling his shares to 
this uh, Prince Abdullah, who is their current owner, if I'm not to overly simplify it. But behind the scenes, there's been some kind of jockey in there. He doesn't want there to be a technical director. He wants to have it all there. But after the success last season, he apparently was saying in January that he wanted a left-sided centre-back and a midfielder in that transfer window. The owners, uh, some would say quite fairly, pointed to the fact relegation looks like it's done and dusted um, and that he's shown some support over the last two seasons, brought in Rian Brewster, who's obviously still not scored, uh, Sander Bird, 22 million, McBurney for 20 million, which I've forgotten it was that much, but that looks... That hurts your eyes to look at. And um, Lisa Mousse for 10 million. Of those, obviously, under Sander Bird being a success and the only one they'll probably make profit on. Do you think if he's left over that, which is what the news is saying, he says he was going to leave then and he's just kind of dragged out a couple of weeks. I think it's a bit of a coward's way out. Yeah, I think he's. He came out earlier in the season, said in however long years, 19 years, where he's never been sacked as well. I think. I don't know if that's playing on his mind where he wants to have that tag that, right, I'm going down, chances are I'm going to get sacked. I'm going to go before they can sack me. It's probably just as much. You, you, you don't want that relegation on your record. No, exactly. And I don't really think his reputation would have been that damaged by taking him down. I think with, this is. How, this it is, is on his how, record to all intents and purposes as well. It, it is. Yeah. But th- this year is exactly how I expected Sheffield to perform last year. And last year. Oh, is... right. I thought you were going to say this year then. I was going to say, I didn't remember you saying that pre season. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's such a weird one because to see how good they were last season with pretty much the same squad to how bad they've been this season, I think. They've lost well, a lot of it's obviously confidence, and that's dropped quite significantly this year. Right, well, even after COVID, if you remember, they were going for the Champions League pace. Yeah, <laughs> and then after COVID, they just lost every game apart from against us, where they beat us like three one. Yeah. Um. So it's an odd one for a while there, because if you're if you're a team now, like if I was Newcastle, I'd be getting straight in. Well, apparently they looked at him sure. and have decided that not yet. So <laughs> I think they're going to ride out the Steve Bruce train. Which yeah. Jesus, it's, it's such a weird one, isn't it? Because he was such a sure bet for a big job. I mean, I think the England job was being mentioned with, alongside his name last season. He then, that might be in his mind because look, when Ollie was poor, I could see uh, I could see Southgate coming in at United. I can see Southgate being the next Spurs manager. He's very Spursy, and he's got that Spurs. It happened on multiple <laughs> manager. And I saw it, and I was like, "This doesn't look out of place." No. And they are the type to be hoodwinked by a bit of international form. I mean, we know my thoughts on him. But yeah, I can see him ending up there, and maybe Wilder is looking at the England job. It'd be a shame because. Clearly, he's someone that can work on a project. I'm not sure if he's complaining that he's not being backed in the market, then Newcastle's the place to go. <laughs> yeah. 
but as ever, maybe you wait well. for the Brighton when... job to go again. <laughs> it does mean when you do get back, you've got to get it right, and the signings obviously haven't worked out. The Brewster no. one's probably the final nail in his coffin. Do, do you reckon yeah, this that looks be, bad? Do you reckon this could be another Eddie Howe syndrome? No, he's. So you go from League One almost... to the Prem with largely the same set of players, and then to do that in your first season as the Prem, that that's there's no you can't yeah. even kind of put that down to any luck's the wrong word, but you can't just play that into kind of circumstance. The fact that yeah. he's done that over that period of time. You could say that Eddie Howe had exactly the same journey, though, and with a club with far less um, establishment than Sheffield United, big club, has been a big club for ages, was Bournemouth. Infrastructure's not there, tiny stadium, hasn't got the same heritage. And I would say that Eddie Howe actually achieved more than Wilder in the sense that he survives in the Premier League on not a shoestring, but not a massive budget either for a lot longer than Wilder did. I mean, they they weren't not spending cash. In a say, they fact, spent good the money. Yeah, I'm was, they didn't. I, I didn't. I said not. On I mean, Tuesday. Liverpool are to blame for both these clubs, really. <laughs> Liverpool <laughs> have relegated both these teams. That Jordan Ayew transfer. Well, yeah, I, I I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd put money on this. This is very much a spitballing stat with no evidence behind it. I'd say probably the average spend per season. I reckon Bournemouth probably outspent Sheffield. Well, yeah, because Bournemouth were in the Premier League for longer. That's probably well, why. That's what I'm saying. If you take the average, if you take the average spend in a yeah, season. Yeah, I know, but... And they had two 20 million plus transfers in there. I see the They point certainly you... spend their way out of the lower leagues as well. I know that. If we were comparing the two and I had to put my money on one of the managers, and I don't know if it's the fact that it's recency or anything like that, I'd say I've got more faith in Chris Wilder if I'm starting a project than I have Eddie Howe. And I don't particularly like Chris Wilder, so it's not like I've been charmed by him. I find the whole thing of he's one of the lads who still goes to the pub, an odd thing in British culture where that just seems to make you like a normal person. Like Deutsch gets the same thing. He, he's a Premier League manager. He still goes and has a pint and a pack of crisps. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, is, is what um, he gets a lot of people are, are going to be looking at that Celtic job and I don't know if maybe they've been in touch with Wilder maybe that that's a that's a big job there for one of these level managers because Howe was deemed the biggest name available there part of the thing with Wilder is he's had success at other clubs wherever he's got yeah. he's had some level of success whereas Howe's had a one break from Bournemouth, which is a Burnley, and he he didn't get the job done there. So that's that would be the red flag for me with him. No, if do you think he was right to leave? Do you hold that against him? Because there's plenty of managers in the Premier League that haven't been given the budget they've got. I just mentioned Deutsch there, and yes, they sulk about it, but they've still got the job done with it. And I don't know. I partly Unless disagree it, with you on the. Um, on the coward's way out thing, just because very few managers kind of go of their own volition nowadays. They're, no matter how bad a job goes, they will just wait and wait until they get sacked. For the payoff. So, and take the payoff and everything that comes with that. So I, I don't necessarily know if you're right there. Wasn't his contract up at the end of the year, though, so he wasn't going to be making much more. Right, okay. Because I know he was asked 
um, around Christmas time about how discussions were going. And he said, well, there haven't been discussions. He said, that's not on me. That's at the other people in the club. I think the uh, the thing you touched on with the ownership, it, I felt, because that was completed then uh, last year, wasn't it? His takeover. Uh, yeah, I, I think it I did began, feel, the process began the year before and then they still yeah. came up and then it was kind of completed. I afterwards. did feel as soon as sort of uh, you run into trouble, the guy will look for his own man. And while well, there'll be some form of tension there, and I think this is probably what's happened. Well, have you said Neil Lennon's the favourite for the job? I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure that's your uh, way no, to get no. yourself back up. <laughs> um, the other things that we had this this week, and there's not too much to break down in this one, but uh, Thomas Tuchel said that Chelsea need to be more clinical after being only the second team to hold uh, leads to a nil-nil draw. Um, you're an esteemed company there, Jack. <laughs> it wasn't a particularly fun nil-nil either, was it? No. And the thing is, the annoying thing is, we were good in parts and then terrible in others. It was really odd because we had the chances to score and Leeds also had the chances to score. It was one of those typical, oh, we love Leeds because we play so open kind of things. But we, they hit the ball into their own play, hit the bar. They showed the replay and the ball was in our net. And it's like, what the fuck just happened here? Luckily, that stinky not. one. Well, he wasn't even playing. Um, <laughs> came on. It came on in the second half, yeah. Spent but, the gap but, the problem is, we, we were creating chances with four at the back, and then he changed back to a three at the back halfway through the second half, and we just lost all the momentum, couldn't build anything at all. Um, it was frustrating because I felt we did have the chances to score, the chances to win that game, and on another day, we put them away, and we do. Um, I also think that the way Tuchel sets up this Chelsea team is that, right, I'm going to give you the foundations that we're not going to concede and we're not going to lose. So it's up to the front three to do something special. We said this with Arsenal, didn't we? To get us that off. Well, yeah, that's essentially what they're doing. They made it so solid and some good build-up play. And then you give it to the front three. And if they're not quite on it, then you're not scoring. You know, does, Chelsea... Does Ziyech um, live with Werner? I don't know if the plumbing's out on their block, but he, he stinks as well. He, <laughs> honestly... Again, I know you've got that pollution in London. I wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be sat next to him in the changing room. With Ziyech, it's weird because when he came back after that injury the first time around when he came into the team, he looked like the only player where any creativity was going to come from. So much so that Frank was playing in right wing, but he was playing more as a cam because that was the only place creativity was coming from. Whereas now, under Tuckle, he looks like a completely different player. He'll every fourth, fifth attempt that he does playing the ball, it'll come off and it'll be a fantastic ball and we should score from it. But then for the four before that, he'll give the ball away, he won't run, he won't put the same effort in as anyone else. It's really odd. Um, You just said Cam then. When did that switch? Because it seems one year everyone must have just been playing FIFA and we switched (laughs) and people started saying Cam and CDM. CDM is the worst one for me, and I've used it myself. CDM is actually easier to say than CAM for some reason. It just flows. Cam is easiest, but I mean, we switched from saying like a defensive midfielder or a holding midfielder to CDM and switched from saying a 10 to a CAM. 
and it did seem to happen all at once. Yeah, made pricks of ourselves. One of those, yeah. uh, one of those, like Mandela effect societal subconsciousness. The, um, the only but, other, uh, sorry. No, I was just going to say it's looking around at the results that happened this weekend, and fingers crossed, Wolves get a result against Liverpool. Sorry, TK, <laughs> and that slip up of getting a draw actually seems like an all right result. Yeah, it, this, if it's a one-off, it's all right. Well, th- this is the thing. It's not. That's why at the tuckle, it's we need our front three to really start gelling because under tuckle, we score like the odd goal here and there. Jorginho is our top scorer with six penalties. Um, and you tried shifting him to us, your swans. <laughs> goals aren't flowing at the moment, um, and it seems like a stroke of luck. Apart from when we played Everton last week, when we were cutting them open with every through ball, we look a team devoid of a little bit of creativity. Got a lot of good wingers, but they're cutting it back to no one a lot of the time. Got a lot of good runners and good runs from Werner without the balls to find him. And that needs to change if we're going to keep on this form. I'm sat here moaning, but we're unbeaten and only conceded two goals <laughs> in five games. So, yeah, odd one. Last couple of bits then. Uh, so the other headlines, uh, Burnley manager Sean Dyche said Dwight McNeil is an exceptional talent. So he was called up for the England under-21 side. Thankfully, he wasn't in the last squad, which was mental when you looked at some of the other names getting in there. Um, but nice win for Burnley there and Everton being Everton. Uh, United beat West Ham in one of the worst games I think I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I, I, I was thinking this when I was watching it and United are the shittest team to be, ever be good if that makes sense I've never seen a team be so lucky and just always seem to get a goal they'll have one moment of quality they'll have 10 seconds of quality in 90 minutes and that 10 seconds bears a goal it's so um, just... last, last little thing then and uh, before we bounce uh, we had Chocolatito, um, Roman Gonzalez uh, fight. Estrada this weekend, great fight. I don't, won't go into the uh, breakdown of that now. Maybe we'll do that on a separate or different episode. TK, I think we were both in agreement that Chocolatito won. Mm. Um, yeah, for sure. But it did have me thinking about the best little guys that we've seen in the sport. The first two uh, that came to mind for me was Chocolatito and Lionel Messi, obviously. Um, there's always the fascination, particularly in combat sports, with uh, the heavy guys. We've seen today where they've announced AJ Fury for the 18th time and yeah. still causing excitement. But the other guys, but there was just something a bit more endearing about seeing someone little, no matter what the sport, doing it for them. For me personally, Andre Arshavin was that guy. Um, I don't know how tall he was. The chant was that he was five foot four, but I think that was just to rhyme with that of my all. But there was something about him. Just, they always get the magician tag, as we have with Cazola as well. Um, but there's something about seeing a, a guy that size making a fool of the people that are twice their height, doing the things that uh, the bigger guys can't do. And yeah, Arshavin was, was probably that guy for me. And then because all are probably in the same bracket. For sure. 
Do you remember Tovan? Is it Tovin? That French guy who was... Yeah, yeah. My boy. He's at Marseille now from Newcastle. He was tiny. I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty of them. I mean, before you joined, chat, we mentioned Rey Mysterio and everyone had a soft spot for him. I mean, he was probably most people's favourite back when we were kids. Um, him doing his 619 off the ropes. Um, that didn't have the same effect if, if, if he was uh, <laughs> taller. So it just added something to it. Um, you said about um, always good to see like the little guy doing things that like the yeah. big guys can't. I always think it's starkest in the NBA when you have someone like Isaiah Thomas, who yeah, it is always kind of funny because he's I think he's like five nine, so he's not like crazily yeah. small, but just compared to everyone else, he's like a foot shorter than everyone. And Steph Curry him, is six four, and he's deemed to be one of the smaller guys in the exactly, league. Exactly, and he he looks so slight, doesn't he? Yeah, it's always yeah. great watching them. A bit before our time, but Alan Iverson was probably the one before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those that have seen the uh, LeBron documentary from from when he was uh, back at school, um, uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, most people's favourite part of that documentary, and I forget the guy's name, he's just known as the kind of little guy at their school. But there's a, there's a little thing in one of the games where they just start feeding, feeding him the ball and he's tiny. And he's just pinging threes in in the corner. And they're all loving it. Probably the opposite of Taco Fall at uh, Celtics now. <laughs> but it, it's the most endearing part of the documentary because it's just so great how little he is. And he's making <laughs> a fool of all these other guys just pinging him in. Roberto Carlos was 5'6". Um, he isn't, partic- isn't particularly big. Um, my favourite of the guy in the UFC, John Lineker. Um, just uh, mini Mike Tyson which is very overused um, for anyone that can punch out in combat sports but the guys that got me into the sport it is always great seeing a guy like Lineker as well he's small but just so explosive yeah unreal Um, TJ Dillashaw Barrow um, I don't know what kind of our cutoff is for what's a little guy in the UFC, but the flyweights are consistently the most entertaining weight class. For sure. Um, if you if you go back and you ever want to watch a dunk contest, um, if you type in Spud Webb, he's one of only two players under six feet tall to win the NBA dunk contest, and that's something to behold. The other one Jeez. was uh, Nate Robinson, who is more famed to uh, <laughs> age groups as being the one who was chinned by Jake Paul last time. <laughs> rough, man. And Maradona, obviously, who we spoke about uh, a couple of months back when he passed away. Him and Messi in the same bracket there. Yeah, for sure. Being the uh, little magicians. Interesting that Jack hasn't said Hazard, but that back off, just, he's, <laughs> not a little guy, he's not a little guy anymore. He's seen him at Madrid. <laughs> yeah, he's out again. He's, oh, no. uh, I saw his stat. I know he's um, small, but he He's been available his... for uh, 21% of games since he signed for Madrid. Compared to 86 at Chelsea. He's going to be getting that bail heat very soon. It's, it's, it's worse for him, the fact that he's not on the pitch. Uh, better for him that he's not on the pitch. Like Bale yeah, on yeah, the yeah. pitch to take the heat. <laughs> Hazard yeah. isn't on the pitch, so he can't take the smoke. Because what they spent more on him, he's done less. So yeah, 
I, I did see Bale tried um, Megan Tierney and going past him yesterday, and I saw someone tweet saying, you're not playing with Mark Barter anymore. You, you, you can't come here and think you're on smoke. You're 36 years old. <laughs> so there we go. Um, we just saved the other topics for uh, another week where it's not quite so hectic. Um, but We've got a little advert that you'll have heard during this episode, but Cheltenham Festival starts tomorrow. Um, we did a great pod, actually, this time last year, where we were talking about the best sporting events, but we can't do that this year. But same as last year, Rory's tips will be up on the website. I believe, um, if he stays true to what he's done already, that he will be at least putting a tip up for every single race. Um, if you are following the tips... Tweet us at Spitballing Pod or at Rory Ford Four. Um, we do only really hear when people lose, not so much when the tips <laughs> land. So it might be nice if we want to encourage Rory to do it in their future years. And if you're someone that doesn't know much about it, like I think most of us put ourselves in the casual bracket, before you start lumping your money on what you think is a guaranteed favourite, Kai's done a breakdown where he's gone through the biggest favourites of the festival and he said, whether that price is reflecting uh, kind of as it should, whether whether they're true representatives of uh, how much of a cert those horses would be. So www.spitballingpod.com for that or check at spitballingpod on Twitter. Also this week, we've got an interview coming out on Wednesday that myself and Jack did. The most excited I've been to drop an interview since we spoke to JB of our first ever interview Garrett Warren, his name is, you won't know the name, we're not disrespecting him there. He's a man behind the scenes, he's been a stunt man, stunt choreographer, second unit director, some of the biggest films we've ever seen, Avatar now, the number one movie ever. He's done Godzilla, he's done Spider-Man, he's done Logan, all sorts there, and he survived four gunshots in an assassination attempt by his ex-wife. So, hell of an interview, I don't think TK's seen it yet, so plenty for him to see there we've been keeping this one under wraps ready for the big reveal so tune in on wednesday for that one otherwise thanks for listening we'll be back goodbye